Brian is going to come up and share, and we're going to pray for him. Come out, Greg. We affectionately uh, know him as Rhino. And you know his wife, Maggie. Uh, I told Greg, you know, he's teaching today, this is going to be the start of his third career. So let, let's pray for him, for Greg. Lord, we just thank you for uh, the wisdom you've given Greg. And uh, we pray that, that you'd help him to bring every bit of it out and everything you put in his heart to share with us. And we just ask that uh, our hearts would be fed by what we learned today and that, that Jesus, you would be born and, and grow in our hearts in a fresh way through what Greg teaches. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. Hey, we're in a series called Who Do You Think You Are? And it's about our identity in Christ which is a big deal, real big deal, and um, just that topic is huge. So this morning I'm going to try to just um, narrow it down, and uh, it'll be really, I was glad to hear John say, you know, don't think that we're being selfish praying for ourselves, because this is really looking at ourselves, and, um, and just focusing on how God sees us, that aspect of our identity, and then um, just how we live that out, more importantly. So it's not about our maturity. It's not about how long you've been a Christian. It's the same way you've been a Christian for a day or, or forever. Um, but it is about uh, what Jesus did for us at the cross. So I know from experience it can change lives and um, mine and others. But let me just say, you know, I haven't arrived, but I think I've left the station. And so I'm just grateful to be able to share a little bit with you this morning about that. You know, a couple experiences really have helped um, motivate me to say, okay, I really need to work on my identity thing, and didn't really know what that all meant. And a few years ago, I was up at a seminar uh, up north, and a lady shared, and I got talking to her afterwards, and then she's telling me about this great experience, and the Lord just showed her, um, like, who she was as a Christian. And it... (laughs) It actually made me start to cry because I knew that I didn't really know that at all. And, um, and then I told some friends, and it was like embarrassing to say, I've been a Christian like 30 years, and I really don't have a grasp of this thing. So, like I said, I'm just traveling along. I'm on a journey like all of us, and, um, and I'm going to share a little bit of that. So, um, you know, I've been glad... Here's what I've learned. I've been glad to just learn that our identity in Christ, you know, it's not about our behaviors. You know, it is about what Jesus has done for us, what he accomplished for us. It's the, the value he's given us, the destiny he's given us. It's just about how much he loves us so much. And if there's just one thing I want to try to get across this morning, it's just that our identity in Christ is about, all about who we are. It's not about our behaviors. It's about what God has done on the inside of us. It's not about the do, what behaviors. And when I say behavior, I mean not only our actions, but, you know, our thoughts. So really, to put it in a nutshell, it's about our who and not our do. And I'll elaborate on that. So let's turn to um, Colossians 1. And as many of you know, we have Bibles and the chairs in front of you. And it will be on page 817. And we're just going to read Colossians 1. Going to be just a few short verses. Um, Colossians 1, 21 to 23. And, you know, the context of the verses is Jesus on the cross and what he did for us. 
Um, it says to reconcile us or to bring us back into relationship um, with God. And, uh, you know, in John 19, it says it is finished. So the same thing in this verse, it's not just about God, you know, doing everything that needed to be done to bring us back into relationship, but everything that needed to be done to reestablish our identity and the image that he placed in us and for us to begin to learn the great value that he has for us. So let me read these verses, Colossians 1, 21 to 23. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. And, you know, the bottom of my Bible here says, you know, because um, this used to confuse me. It says, you're, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, well, it just says, as shown by your evil behavior. You know, and that's really, what is that? I mean, with the fall, it all becomes about me, myself, and I. And so whether that's in actions or whether that's just in our thinking, um, it says that uh, that was evil. But, you know, here's the great thing. Did God write us off? Of course not. He didn't write us off. He decided to put all that stuff on his son so that we could be reconciled to him and be loved by him and all these amazing things to, again, get his image back into us so we could live out of that place instead of who we were. All right? So it's going to get even better. We're already through one verse. We're, the rest of the sermon will not go that quickly. And um, if you're thinking this will be the sh- sh- shortest sermon ever, it won't be. But I promise you, it will not be the longest. Not, not like... Okay. So, so uh, you know, last week John mentioned um, that Peter was given an identity makeover. Um, well, we're going to get an identity makeover here. Um, you know, you've heard there's no microwave Christianity. You know, you've heard it, it takes time to grow and change. Well, radical change at the nature of our being and who we are doesn't get any faster than this, okay? It says once we were alienated, once we were selfish, but now what's happened? Just a verse later, okay? We're selfish, we're enemies of God's in our mind, but now we're holy, without blemish, and free from accusation to God. Whoa. So, in other words, Jesus instantly has given us a spiritual makeover, all right? He's put a new spirit in us. And in a word, I would say that that new identity means that we're now righteous before God. And righteous is kind of a big word. It, it, and the way I'm going to use it, and this is pulling in some other, other verses, is simply that now we're always God's beloved. We're always holy. We're always pleasing to God. We're always accepted by him. He's, we're pure before God, always. Doesn't matter, even when we're not behaving real well. We're still in that place because that's what our identity is uh, before God. Literally, it means we have divine approval. Okay, so that's how God's always seeing us. And not only that, it's, it means that God's given us a good heart. And I don't know if you guys, but I've often heard, you know what, the heart's deceitfully wicked and beyond cure. And we start talking about, wow, we're still kind of messed up. Well, you know what? That was back in the Old Testament. That's before Jesus went to the cross. And it was foreshadowed that, you know, he would go to the cross to give us 
a new heart. And that's what we have, and that's what you have, always independent of your actions or your thinking. All right? So what I'm trying to say again is that how God sees us, how he relates to us, how he loves us is based on who we are as we receive that righteousness from him at the cross. And it never changes. Doesn't change who we are. That's always our place before God. And he's always seeing us out of his beautiful, loving, accepting eyes. Now let me try to just illustrate what I'm saying with a story. Because there, there are definitely times we, we get into these behaviors, we start thinking, and what I've just said just goes right out the window, right? It's like, how can that possibly be? So um, it speak, this story speaks to the change. It has occurred, never, ever changes, all right? So imagine I'm a pig, all right? Not like a, a sloppy pig that never keeps the house straight, but I'm literally a pig. And I have a pig nature. I have pig skin. I smell like a pig. I act like a pig. I have pig buddies. Everything I do is like a pig. I mean, I'm hanging out with the pigs, okay? Now imagine something else. A great miracle takes place. I see Jesus, and I see how awesome he is, how much he loves me, how beautiful he is, and his amazing love. And I say yes to him, and he transforms me in an instant from a pig to an eagle. So now I'm able to fly majestically. I have these talons to grab hold of stuff. I have eagle eyes I can see forever. And I'm an eagle. Okay, so one day I'm flying around just being the majestic eagle that I am. And I look down and I see my old pig pen. And so I go down and lo and behold, there's some of my old buddies And so before I know it, I eat some pig food. Then I remember what it was like to roll over in the pig pen. So before you know it, I got mud all over me. And then I do some pig behavior. So the question is, at that moment, am I a pig or am I an eagle? Of course, I'm still an eagle. Now, I may not be a very wise eagle, may not be a mature eagle, but I'm an eagle that got, caught, that got caught up in previous behaviors that doesn't reflect who I am now, but who I was. There's too many of us who, who just think that who we are is determined by our behavior. We think we're peagles. And this here is a peagle, Okay. This is, I named him Pete. Okay, it's Pete Peagle. So he's pig and eagle. All right? So, so those of us who think that who we are is determined by what we do, we think that we can be half pig and half eagle. But that's not true. What we do, what our thoughts are, that does not define us. It's what our receiving, what Jesus did on the cross for us, that defines who we are, all right? Independent, regardless of how we're acting, how we're thinking, not only about others, but particularly about 
ourselves as well. So we, we need, just need to remember that, you know, even when we're covered with pig mud, we're eating pig food, and we're starting to have pig thoughts, we're still an eagle. All right? So, so that's God's part. That's, you know, that's how God sees us always, holy, righteous, pure, accepted, forgiven, always, always, always. He sees his glory that he put in us. And our part now is to see ourselves as God does all the time. So, okay, so if God relates to us based on our who and not our do, well, how do I deal with the conflicting thoughts and the actions, the, the struggles that come up that I still have to deal with? Well, let me first just try and clarify that, um, you know, there's sin and there's big, ugly, dirty, you know, bad sins, I guess we call them. And then there's also just, you know, the ways we think about ourselves and um, the behaviors that we wouldn't necessarily classify as, you know, terrible. But the, the stuff we think about ourselves, like, you know what? I didn't accomplish enough today. I ate too many cookies. I didn't exercise. Hey, I didn't go to church. Oh, I didn't pray enough. I didn't read my Bible today. All those things that begin this negative self-talk. Hey, I didn't call my friends. Facebook had a bad post about me. All the stuff that starts to attack who we truly are right down in here. All right, so, I mean, you can add to the list. But how do we begin to live out of who we really are, that sense of who we really are, independent of all those things? Here is really key. We need to be able to separate our bad behaviors and those bad thoughts we have from ourselves, from our identity. We need to separate our do, uh our do from our who. Okay? You know what? Because if we believe our righteousness before God's based on what we do, we're probably not going to be motivated to pursue intimate relationship with him. At least not from a place of being loved and accepted. So here's what I found. A righteousness consciousness produces righteousness and right living. A sin consciousness produces sin. And I've just carried with me a sin consciousness too long and I've seen many others that have as well. So let's focus on God's truth, what he says about us, that we are his righteousness, his purity, his holiness, that that's who we actually are, totally accepted by him. And we're going to trust that our do, right, the do, the the behaviors and the thoughts, they'll follow if we focus in on who we really are. And, you know, I said I've come a little ways. I mean, Maggie would be the best one to ask, you know, has Greg changed at all since he started to get a little bit of this you know, inside of him. Um, so feel free to ask her. And because I've been a performance guy and, you know, all worried about people, um, I know I've changed a little bit because really if I hadn't, my fears of what everybody's thinking, I would have just said no to John and, and not even stood up here. So I know I've, I've, I've come a little bit of ways and, and that's very encouraging to me. Um, all right, so the sense of falling short doesn't necessarily need to be big stuff, right? 
But how do we respond, even in the stuff that isn't so big? What do we do with that? Okay. So here's some real practical stuff. You know, I've just had a bad thought, snapped, done whatever. Well, tell yourself, hey, that's not who I am. That's not who I am anymore. That's not me. And then begin to talk to Jesus about it. This is all about our love relationship with him, the intimate relationship that he's drawn us to, calling us to, the place where the core longings in us can actually be met. Okay, so just had some bad thoughts about me. We pause, and then we just begin to thank Jesus. Okay, oh, thank you, Lord, that you still love me. Thank you that I'm still accepted by you. Thank you that I do have peace through you. Thank you that I am holy before you. Thank you that I do have a good heart, Lord. Thank you that I am your son. Thank you that I am your daughter. And it gets the focus back on our who and not our do. And it gets the focus back on Jesus and off of ourselves. So, you know, in our church here, we're going to have to practice that. Just do it for a a quick minute, okay? So here's what I'd like you to do is just, you know, some of those thoughts that happen when you're rolling around in the pig pen and you're having pig thoughts, just think about those, but just ever so briefly. You know, what do those look like? Um, And then just take a a minute, and I'm going to ask you to just think upon some biblical truths. Now, I'm really narrowing down these things that speak to who we are, but there's a lot of truths, and there's a lot more of these that uh, you, know, you can find, and I'm sure that you know. But here's what I'd like you to do. Close your eyes, and then I just want to like you to replace those negative thoughts with the truths of what God says about you. Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some examples, but try to just... You're pausing in the moment. You're saying, Lord, I'm coming to you. Help me. I know that's not who I am. Okay? So close your eyes. And here's some things you can say. I'm a saint. I am your beloved. I am pure. I am holy. I am free. I am a new creation. I am blameless. I am righteous. And then just thank Jesus for giving you a new identity, not based on what you do, but on what he did. Amen, Lord. Okay. Hey, this just becomes the way to encounter the Lord, and it can be done in the middle of the day. I mean, in this, you know, I'm I'm talking about a lot of just how we think about ourselves, but there's action to do the same thing. You know, you snap at somebody, whatever it is, mean to the kids. It's the same thing. It's not who you are. It's not who God's made you to be, you know. So um, I'll just give you an example of how this works for me. I, I work for a uh, real small um, real estate company, and I do property management. And so <laughs> there are times where I screw in light bulbs. And I'll be screwing in light bulbs in a building and some of the tenants walk by and where's my thought life go? Lord, what are they going to think about me? I'm, wow, I got a lot of education and here I am screwing in light bulbs. Whoa. So 
In those moments, I've learned to just smile and just, I'm up on a ladder saying, Lord, Father, thank you that I'm your son. Thank you that I'm righteous in your eyes. Thank you that I'm so pleasing to you, just screwing in light bulbs. Thank you that my identity is in you. It's not defined by what I do. You're pleased with me. Thank you, Father, for giving me a new identity that's just based on what Jesus did for me. I thank you, Lord. And, Lord, I know it doesn't matter what those people think. But, Father, I'm coming back to you again for the reminder of how you love me and what you did. I mean, and it literally takes a minute or so. And those, I'm trying to practice it more during the day. Because, you know, a lot of guys I talk to, you know, we get going and boom. It's like get the to-do list done. But the more we can practice that, the more the Lord can become real and intimate to us, even in the midst of the day. I, okay, so I, I guess this is the place to say this. I, I, I knew I had to say it somewhere. Um, do I believe there's a place of conviction in sin and repentance? Um, yes, I do. Um, I mean, our actions, they impact others, they impact ourselves. Um, but I'm not saying to ignore sin, okay? Uh, but I'm just trying to get us away from such an emphasis on it because of what I've seen it's done in my life and, and with others that it creates such a, a consciousness. And when you start really getting deep in with people, you know, like I found in some of the groups and just talking to guys primarily, that when we get down to that place, it comes back to, hey, I don't measure up. I mean, there's a, there's a guy that writes a lot of men's books and he says, you know, we don't have what it takes. And it's about that sense of, you know, what, sinner, messing up. And um, I'm just trying to get our focus away from that because that's not where Jesus' focus is. All right? I want us just to see we've got a new identity in God. And he has real value and real purpose and real destiny for us. He's not thinking about our behaviors. He took care of that on the cross. All right? Um, Okay. So just one more verse. But I love this passage, so I'm going to read them all again. Um, it says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, as shown by your evil behavior. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Okay, so how does this relate to us and just our fundamental identity um, as being children of God? Well, um, let me just say this, verse 23, it is about continuing on in the faith, persevering in the faith. It's not talking about, you know, whether we're going to lose our salvation. Like I stopped thinking about my identity and now I'm not going to be a Christian or anything. It's saying continue, persevere in your faith and who you are. Because Why? Because life happens. When those things occur that we know aren't our identity, we're not feeling very holy and righteous, right? Circumstances occur that can make us question our identity and are we really that loved by God? Are we really that accepted because of what's going on? Okay. Um, And I guess I'll say this too, that you know, I'm a guy that's learned to really live by his feelings. 
And it's, um, so I'm having to, it's hard to get away from thinking about just how I feel is how I'm doing, to thinking about what God really says about me. That's what's true. Um, And so that's why it's such key to lock on to what God says about who we are, independent of actions, independent of our circumstances, and what's going on. All right? So our identity, seeing ourselves as God sees us, righteous, independent of actions, independent of our thinking, behaviors, we have to separate those from and we have to separate those behaviors from who we really are. God's not relating to us based on those thoughts, actions at all. And we need to persevere in the truth. Okay? So um, just want to give you a few, few little kind of tips or things that have just to help to make this practical. And the first one really goes back to verse 23 about persevering in the faith. Um, it's really just about choosing to believe these things are true. You know, the emotions are going wild, saying, no, that's not true. Circumstances are saying, no, this can't be right. Um, it's saying, you know what, I'm going to choose to believe this. And John 7, 17, it says, if we resolve, let's say, if we resolve um, to believe God's truth, he'll make it real. And resolve just means if we just set our minds, set our will to believing this is true, independent of how we're feeling, independent of circumstances, God will make that real to us. Now, it doesn't say how long it's going to take, right? It could take a long time. But he will speak to us. So I encourage you to just lock on to a truth or two and say, Lord, you know what? Regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of what goes on, I'm gonna, I've set my mind, my will, I'm going to believe that this is absolutely true. Okay, and here's another one, and I know some of you are going to laugh, but um, having people speak the truth into you can be an experiential, you know, it can be an experience of the love of God. And it's something that I'm um, with, uh, I'm part of a group of guys that meet some from our church and some not from our church. But what we do is just say, okay, you know, boom, stand up. And they may share something they're struggling with, you know, whether it's just in life and maybe it's an identity thing. And we just, they stand up and we just speak right into them um, truths from the Bible. And based on what they've said, it's been a really powerful experience based on what I've received from them. It's been been really powerful. So um, I'm going to, hey, Mike, will you come up? Steve-O, and um, is it just, okay. Hey, and, and Mike's one of the guys in the group, and I just, I'd ask him to say, hey, you know what, Mike, what's it like for you to just have a group of guys stand around, look you in the eye, and just tell you, hey, this is what God says about you. Regardless if you've had a bad hair day or not, whatever's going on with them, all right, this is what God sees. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, as he said, you may laugh. It, 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 it's a little weird at first <laughs> in terms of, you know, somebody saying this is what God says about you and thinks about you. Um, I, too, kind of suffer with the feeling thing. And 
I don't know how many of you have this disconnect sometimes. Life isn't going your way. And there's a disconnect between what you feel in terms of the love of God and what you believe the love of God for you is and what you know. And um, what I've experienced is that, that this helps to start to close the gap and connect you and reconnect you when you may not feel it. And um, my wife said it's a dumb idea to give me a mic. <laughs> we could be here till dinner. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we won't be. But what I've also learned, and this is something we started doing as a group, is it is actually more powerful when you're in front of somebody and you are giving God's love to another man or another woman. When you're saying, this is what God thinks about you. And it's, it's, it's even more powerful. In fact, we, we did, one of the guys, had it, we did it for the first time, stood him up in the group, and he texted me and says, wow, this is amazing. And uh, it, it's edifying for you to do that as well. So, Cool. Hey, um, and thank you, sir. Oh, wait, I guess we still need this. Yeah, hey, ask one of the ladies in the church um, to come up, Diane, because um, know Diane a little bit. And, um, yeah, if you come up. And this is because this is something really, you know, we're talking about doing it in community. You don't just start doing this with people you don't even know, although, well, I mean, you can do that. But I thought just to demonstrate for you guys to see, you know, those of you that think this is just kind of bizarre and weird, that we would just demonstrate, just model what it's like to just look in somebody in the eye and just tell them um, how much God loves them, well, whatever it is, okay? So, as I said, the only difference here from what we do in a group is just that we may know what one of the guys is struggling with, or he'll just say, hey, you know what, I have no peace with God, I'm not feeling his love, not feeling his presence, and we'll speak truth into him about that. So we have, I didn't ask Diane to do any, anything like that. So um, why don't you, um, yeah, why don't you stand and just, uh, I don't know how we do this. What, what, oh, okay. All right. Hey, come on up, Diane. And we're just going to, like I said, Diane, I told her she doesn't have to say anything. We're just going to kind of, this would be what it would be like, but, you know, if you've got a group of people around, we just want, you know, one guy goes up, speaks something to her, and that's all we're going to do. There's nothing scripted here. It's just, uh, you know, as the spirit leads, we speak truth in this home. So if you want to start, that's cool. And, uh, hey, I have a verse for you. Uh, in First Thessalonians 1, 2 through 4, it says that we give thanks to God always for you. Okay. And we make mention of you in my prayers. And I am constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God and Father. Knowing his beloved brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. And I just want to go back and emphasize again that uh, your work of faith, I, I see the fruit of that all the time. There's this work of faith. There's this, there's this harvest of faith and your labor of love. And I think the labor of love is both its labor, its work, and yet its love. And there's something about that combination that is, that is so powerful. And the Lord just wants to affirm that. And it's in you and you know it, but he just wants to seat that in you. Thank you. As well. Thank you. There's more. <laughs> what a privilege. So uh, in praying about this, I just got this overwhelming sense of just how important a woman is in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. 
for Jesus. And you, you, you wear a crown of, of love and compassion. And, and Jesus says you're beautiful. He just says you're beautiful. And he, you know, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as a woman putting yeast in dough. And I just want to know that, you, that, that that's what he sees you. He sees you, the inner beauty in you. And he loves you. And he calls you his sister. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks.